The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'm not even going to tell you what show you're listening to because I'm too bleeping excited that I get to talk to another human being. It could literally be anyone, but it happens to be one that I like. The great Josh Millman. What's up, man? How are you guys hanging in there? You, you doing okay with all this crap going on? We're doing okay, but but first of all, this is necessary. Oh, yes, there it is. The energy. You still got energy after all this quarantine. That's good. I, the only reason why I have energy right now, Dan, is because my my in-laws have my kids. So I've spent like the last like four hours, like just me and my wife. It's like, oh, th- this is what it's like when there are just two adults in the room and no distractions, no kids wanting snacks and help with their homework and all that. Fun oh, my stuff. God. So, yes, I have more energy now. That's the dream right there. That's the uh, it's listen, nice. we both love our our children. Uh, we, we all love our children. Um, but when you're locked in quarantine with nowhere to go and no schools to put them in and no parks to let them run around in, I think, um, I think I'm a little jealous of folks that can just like sit with Al Bundy style with a hand in their pants and, and (laughs) I, I feel like I would have learned, I would have learned a couple musical instruments by now. I would have beaten a handful of, (laughs) of, you know, 90 hour role-playing video games and instead, uh, I'm living in this apartment that's just like three layers of filth, toys, and food on everything, and I don't know what to do with myself. You, sir, though, are in the poop. That's I'm, the problem. Like, <laughs> you, just had, you just had the second. Yeah, I know. He, Teddy, Teddy's young. Asher's still young also. You are in, and I'm saying the poop because I, this is a fa- uh, family-friendly that's show right. that we operate here, but you're in the poop, and that's what that's what happens with Everyone's second child, those first few months, is the poop. Yeah, then and throw in we, a quarantine. We live, we live through it, too. Throw in a pandemic, and you got yourself Yeah, exactly. The poop. A, a massive poop. <laughs> Which is basically all a, a newborn big, does. A poop, yes. I feel like you're describing everything that happened. You know what's weird, too? And, and the listeners are like, what the are these idiots talking about at this point? But I'm, I'm almost sure you're going to agree with me. Um the second kid, the newborn right now, is unbelievably easy. That's boggling oh, my yeah, mind. Well, like, it, it, it's, the, it's not the second one. It's, it's dealing with the second one and the first one. Yeah. I, if, the, because you still need to address its crying and its feeding and its diaper changing. Now, because they're, they're they're it's not as if they can talk to you. No, there's like so three there's things like that can happen. One of three things that could be. Exactly. Like option one. Am I, is he wet? <laughs> All right, change them. Option two, is he hungry? You know, oh, option option three, is he tired? That's yep. it. That, those are the three options. Oh, with the but with the with the, the three X, there's in. like yeah. there's the gas bubble. That's like option two B. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Two B. Yes, yes, that's fair. Yes. Uh, no, that's you, fair. yeah, you're absolutely right. And then the thing is, looking thinking back about kid one, and I'm just going to refer to them as thing one and thing two for the purposes of this <laughs> podcast, because you know, Doctor Seuss and all that. Um, mm. When when we had Asher, I was so completely overwhelmed by having a newborn i was a mess i was banging into walls and just like i couldn't even i couldn't handle it now uh in my wife's credit she's doing more this time around because she saw how poorly i handled it the first time but uh 
it's really unbelievable how much of our stress is is centered around the toddler and how he is just he's so sad because he's had his entire world ripped out from underneath him it's here. Rocked. It's rocked. Yeah. yeah. And then like you you try everything to not get upset because they have all this stress, but they can do a lot of things besides just cry for food or sleep or, you know, a poopy diaper. Uh, right. He's like, I have lacerations on my face and bruises on my shin. This kid is just beating the hell out of us. Oh, but my God. It's just like, stress. What kind of household are you running, Dan? I don't know. I don't run anything. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, you don't. No. Put the my foot the, down. The one who's beating you up is, like, clearly running the place. Yeah. Right and you, but you try to put your foot down, but it's like, oh, my God, this kid is so stressed out because his life is ruined right now. He can't see his grandparents. Yeah. He can't see his. Yeah. No. It, there's no toy. There's no outside for him. There's mm. no, like, family. There's no friends. There's no school. There's Yeah. It's, it's just. It's hard. I feel like yeah. I feel for them. Even my kids too it's like the like they get tired of seeing the same faces and doing the same things all day and i can't really blame them yeah the treadmill is tough we're all we're yeah. we, everybody we joke about the treadmill when you know people go to work they go home that kind of thing but this is the this is the real treadmill is you are literally yeah. going nowhere every day yep but luckily for everyone they have us <laughs> yeah so, sorry everybody sorry sorry, sorry everyone Ooh, uh, ballers you got us baby yeah apologies in advance he is the great josh millman at josh millman on twitter j-o-s-h-m-i-l-l-m-a-n i am dan Vesperus. this is fantasy nba today a hoop ball presentation josh you got some stuff coming out over at the hoop don't you we do. Yes, we do. Uh, some posts, some, I, I, you know, we used to call them postmortems, but like the season isn't even technically over. So the great panda, Mike Passador and, and a whole bunch of other great writers over at the Hoob are doing uh, kind of season so far, little season and reviews for a uh, few different teams. We've gotten up to the Memphis Grizzlies, I believe was today. Yeah. And I think next it was up, Nathan, right? Nathan, when? Yes. And next up will be my beloved Brooklyn Nets. I called them the New Jersey Nets on a recent episode, and I apologize for that. Why, why would you apologize? That's know. what they were. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't call them the Swamp Dragons. <laughs> well, you're you're out in Jersey, right? So you, you lost yeah. your hometown team. This is, yeah, I got the hometown team. Panda always, like, get, make sure that I get the Nets, which I appreciate, um, because I'll I'll throw in as much pure miserable sarcasm as i can like <laughs> lump into a, a column that he even allowed like like he gives me such leeway with these things it's it's ridiculous because he's just basically like i just want to hear i just want to read you rant yeah like, and that's Milman basically rant. what this is yeah oh that's so it's so good man you have i i know i've said this to you before but it's been a while you have such a flair for just writing in general i i love i love reading writing that has personality. Your writing has personality, yes, which you. I don't think you can teach. I feel like you just have to be a certain level of goofball to really make that come out in the word. I would just say, well, first of all, I appreciate it. Second of all, I just I try not to take it too seriously. And I just <laughs> yeah. no, but, but that's real. And, and, and if and if I just kind of just say, like, look, if I was to just. You know, if I was just to screw around and just try some things, let me just try them and not like be overly critical of myself and every little sentence that I put in there. So that, you know, I roll with it. It's I like it. And it's it's it served me pretty well so far. Well, it's awesome stuff. It's the opposite of dry, which I think is what what folks should want with their fantasy analysis, because I I don't know. You can get the 
there are plenty of places where you can just get the the numbers exclusively, but that stuff's not, I don't know, it's just not interesting to me. I want someone to be able to break it down in a way that makes me enjoy the time I spend with it. So a wonderful job, as always, on everything you do. I can't wait to read the Nets thing. I, I wonder if I could probably see it through the hoop ball back end, but I'm not going to. You probably could. I'm not going to do it. Don't, don't, don't ruin it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait until it <laughs> drops for everybody. Uh, but we have a couple things to talk about on today's show. We are, as I mentioned on yesterday's pod, taking a break from the team by team analysis. Uh, tomorrow, I'll dive back into another Southeastern Division club. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Josh's draft. It's been a while. I, you reminded me of it, and I thought, oh my God, how long ago? That was only like six weeks ago. But it definitely feels like it was about four and a half years back. But that just tells you what we're all going through. <laughs> yeah. that it feels like like 2002 when we when we did our draft. You were like, what about that draft? I was like, what draft is he? T- oh, right. Of course. Adam King. Yeah. yeah, sure. I remember that. And then you've also got a lesson for the good people at home. So we can do that. But I I'm going to turn do. it over to you. Do you want to do the draft first or the left the lesson first? I'm putting the ball in your court. Let's do the lesson first. Let's do like that lesson will be our little appetizer for yeah. before we get into the draft because sure. the draft. I, I look. I only brought it up because we were thinking of things like to talk about, and I said, I you know, put me on the hot seat, man. Like, go make fun of my picks or something like that. Like, tell tell the listeners how terrible I am or what have you going through this draft. So the lesson is, you know, it's good for everyone. It's nice, and but it doesn't want to. You know, you're not going to fill your palate with it but <laughs> just, just the, a cleanse the, but making fun of me in a mock draft that will get that's that's the good stuff right there yeah that's the that's the that's the real meat and potatoes of the show um exactly all right so what's the lesson my by the way my two just to remind everybody the two lessons i put out in my monday episodes so far since i started this it's my monday shows now are uh lesson of the year number whatever and last dance breakdown oh by the way how are, are you enjoying last dance so far Oh, I love it. So good, right? It's fantastic. So good. I, I mean, because you and I are at the age where we can appreciate, like, how great this was. So you and probably remember it a little bit. You probably yeah. remember it a little bit better than I do. You're not that much older than I am. Just a couple of years. But that's a, that, right. like, three-year gap is probably enough for you to remember the earlier seasons of the Bulls dynasty, where I was, yeah. I was eight when they won their first championship. And so that didn't really, I was pretty much exclusively a Dodgers fan when I was eight. I got into basketball around the age of 12 or 13. So it was closer to that second Bulls run. Uh, the um, I like to refer to it as the Cedric Sabalos era here in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's <laughs> Cedric Sabalos. <laughs> I love it. That's my, that's my era. That's so this, an era. That's an era. That, that, Sedale that's three. That's actually an era. Yeah, Sedale 3, t- I think Nick Van Exel was coming up there in the next year or two. Wow. Eddie Jones was a little bit later than that. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of Eddie Jones on Twitter lately. I don't know what that's all about. I don't know if I, I don't know maybe, either. Maybe at a birthday or something. But I got to think it was uh, it, like you have a slightly different feel, I'm thinking, watching those early like Bulls running up against the bad boys years. This is stuff that I didn't really experience as a kid. I really like got into hoops right around that first championship window. And I'm actually really thrilled because what I had read was that this upcoming next episode, episode five does focus on the bulls Knicks rivalry. Oh, and, and that to me was my life growing up and my introduction to the bulls, because in my mind, it wasn't much of a rivalry. 
that that you know that you always see the highlights of just Pippen just throwing down on Ewing and just shoving him to the side. <laughs> that was what it was like in my mind, and I wasn't like a big diehard Knicks fan, but like all of my friends growing up were, and no one really cared about the Nets because they were just terrible back then. But that was always like my that was my introduction into basketball, and I was lucky enough to be able to watch. Michael Jordan live at a game against the Knicks. Amazing. And that was, yeah. And, and so that was really my first foray into it. So I'm really excited about this next episode, but I'm reminded, I'm reminded that like the Knicks, everyone thought like, Oh, it's just a matter of time for Ewing, like, you know, catches up to them. No, never happened. Was that the first basketball game you ever went to? Or was that in the middle of it? Do you remember your first basketball game? Do I remember my first basketball game? Yeah. Ah, no, I don't. It was kind of in the middle of it. I it might the first basketball game I I probably professional basketball game that yeah. I've been to was probably a Nets game. But if I that's funny you say that because my had, first was a Clippers game. It no, it was oh right. How about that? Yeah. Um, but I I would say that yeah, it must have been a Nets game. But the one with Jordan was one of my earliest games that I had ever seen. That's amazing, that's amazing. I never got to see Jordan play in person, even once he was even like in the Wizards days. I probably could have gone to a Wizards Warriors. I think he was on the Wizards when I was at Cal, if I'm not mm. mistaken. I remember my first professional basketball game because my cousin won some sort of raffle to be a Clippers ball boy for a night. And oh, they, that's cool. Yeah, it was sweet. And they were able to bring a, uh, a few guests, and I was one of the guests. And so I have this – I have a Clippers hat signed in a – jeez, I got I, I to gotta try to figure out the year that this happened. But you know, I have a Clippers hat signed by a bunch of, um, like, Houston Rockets greats. That's who they were playing that night. And I think – oh, boy. I got I to gotta figure out who the hell's on that hat. There's some really good basketball players. Stored I, bet you, I bet you there are some good – yeah. Oh, that's man, pretty that, cool. That must have been, like, 90 – Three or four, maybe. I'm gonna. I'll dig it up, listeners. Y'all, I'll figure this out for you guys, and I'll try to get a picture of it. <laughs> the next time I can see my mother in this damn quarantine, I'm gonna have her bring over my uh, my early '90s Clippers. It was like a weird blue felt hat. I don't know what the hell I was doing this thing, but uh, it's my kind of my same experience with golf. I went to a uh, my my first golf event, which was kind of weird because just like walk a whole bunch. But now I have a, it was a Daffy Duck golf hat signed by a bunch of like Tiger and Phil and all these guys was right in that heyday. So that was also pretty sweet. Um, Also stored somewhere in in my mother's house. Curse you quarantine. So uh, (laughs) what's the, um, sorry, I took us down this last dance divergence, but I figured, but this is what, this is what we're doing now. Like this is what we have in terms of basketball. It's something to talk about. I, I appreciate it again. It's it's right up my alley just because this is when I really first became a fan. It really wasn't necessarily because of Michael Jordan. It was just he was the first re- real recognizable face and personality. And I grew up, to be honest, hating the Bulls just because, again, being a local Jersey kid and and really kind of I was again, I wasn't a Knicks fan, but like all my friends were. And everyone pulled for them, but they just beat the living tar out of the Knicks <laughs> all the time. So, like, I grew up just absolutely hating them. Honestly, you, you know why? I, do you know why I got into basketball like around 94, 95 ish? I think it was the, that was the year. 
I bet you can get. If I gave you five guesses, I bet you'd get it. But I'm not. We're not going to do that on a podcast. I think it was Space Jam. Yeah, well, but that makes sense. That was a sweet film. It was a sweet film. I, I, I buy it. I mean, who? How? How would I have known who Sean Bradley was if it wasn't for Space Jam? Well, but like, but my guy growing up was also Space Jam. Grandma Ma. Larry Johnson. Oh yeah, we've, we've and you've seen the jersey. I, I have seen the, the jersey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Grandma, my little. I'll give you the. I'm doing the LJ over here. Just, uh, just you know, so everybody <laughs> For knows. You listeners, yeah, yeah, we're all doing the. Yeah. We we're not we're we're doing this audio only. We can't see one another, but I promise you guys, I am doing it. So give me a lesson, <laughs> Professor all Professor right. Millman. What's my lesson? The lesson, the at least the lesson that I had, um, was don't give up on youth. Interesting. Okay, so let me let me dig a little bit deeper on this one. And just yes. I, what I started to say way earlier and totally forgot was that the two lessons I had put out there already were that I wanted to be a little bit more married to usage and stop getting cute with efficiency uh, in those trade-offs. That was two weeks ago. And then this week, uh, my lesson was really revolving pretty hard around being more willing to, to take a few chances not early in a draft, but a little bit earlier. Maybe take a rookie that's not quite as late. Maybe take, uh, you know, go... If your list... For me, it's like the list of falling stars. That's my my old man squad. If those guys falling... If that list gets exhausted, you don't have to wait another round or two to take your guy just because it's earlier than you wanted it to be. You take a few chances. And I actually think that one ties into what you said a little bit, but I, I want to... I want to get more detail on what you mean because it sounds like you're saying, you know, if somebody maybe isn't making the strides forward, still have some faith in them. Or are you even talking about more on a micro level where in, during an individual season, you can stick with guys a little bit longer? I think it's a little bit of both. And I'm pretty sure that I can think of examples uh, on either side. But we have to remember that when we draft, we're drafting for the entirety of a season. And that when we pick someone at the level we pick them, it's it's perception that they can exceed the value at which we draft them. So what happens is, is that if you draft someone who you believe is going to have that kind of quote unquote breakout year and they don't necessarily meet those standards within the first month or two of the season, perhaps, that we often, and we get this a lot, especially like when we're doing like live chats with the listeners or, or what have you, the question always comes up like, should I give up this, you know, this player for, for this young guy who I drafted early but isn't panning out right now? And or, you know, should I, you know, what do I do with this player? They started out really strong, but, you know, do, do I hold on or do I sell or what? Ha I said, so in my, in my mind, an example of this is, is Shai Gilgis Alexander, who didn't really start the season out all that well. No, he was outside. He was outside the top 100, I think, after the first yeah. month, month and a half. Yeah, shot the ball terribly. Was you know, uh, there, I'm sure there was some, I guess confusion about like roles responsibility with Chris Paul in town and they and the the thunder didn't really get that three-headed monster going with SGA CP3 and 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 Schroeder until like I think it was like December or January or so when they just started steamrolling everyone 
And that's when you saw Shai Gilgis, Gilgis Alexander really start to take off and put up those like kind of triple double type games. The shooting efficiency increase. And you kind of have to remember, like, look, teams are figuring themselves out and young guys are still young. They're still getting up to speed on the game. So guys, so when SGA starts out as a sub top 100 player, don't just give don't just give up on him because there's a reason why we all felt that he could exceed that draft capital in which we drafted him. So don't give up on him so easily just because he's not meeting your needs early on because guess what I, I, in nine cat he, so far he was like top 25 guy on on full full season total value so far what about now how do you how do we break this down kind of between players because i feel like if we treat this as a catch all there are going to be some guys that do just underperform those are the right. guys i actually tend to like the following year if we make this an even more macro discussion of like you know, you mentioned the name Lonzo Ball before we went on air. He's a great example of someone who is, yeah. just needed more time and kind of had fallen out. And Brandon Ingram, hell, we can take both Lakers that got traded to the, the Pelicans. Both of those guys just needed more time. You know, it wasn't year one. It wasn't year two. It was, hey, uh, you know, new scenery. That helped, for one. But all of a sudden, a corner turned. That's often when I like to jump on these guys is when their value starts to drop like a stone. But those guys, even I was, was still afraid to, to venture into that ballpark. So how do we know when that time is right? How do we know when it's time to either jump on or off of one of these guys? I don't know. I, I, it's hard because individual cases are going to be based on, on separate teams. Right. Situ, situations, coaching, injuries, even uh, opportunity. I think those are all things that we have to evaluate. I think my, my just general point is, is that Guys who have high pedigrees, high draft capitals were that way for a reason. And chances are they just need some more opportunity to to really just kind of extend themselves. So if that opportunity does arise like it did in New Orleans, then that's probably the opportunity to really try to jump on them. And I think we all kind of missed the Ingram boat because I, I don't think anyone any one of us kind of saw what he could do but at the same time he was going from a lakers team to a pelicans team where the pelicans pretty much came out and said guess what guys we're gonna the fun and gun the crap out of this team from the outset yeah you do it you do whatever the hell you want (laughs) you can do it anything you want just do it you do anything you want just do it that was that was basically what gentry said at the start of the season they did it and oh by the way he had a clear pathway to minutes, especially without Zion still there, yeah. and they gave him all the opportunity they could, and, and he somehow, capitalized on it. And somehow he fixed both his three-point shooting and his free-throw shooting and improved his defensive, defensive stats. Which, without, which, is, which is wild when Yeah, it's totally about crazy. That, that one's the greatest outlier I can remember in fantasy in the last decade. Yeah. Like, nobody, nobody fixes all of those things in one offseason. I know, and 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 really, like I, the guy that I point to was also Andrew Wiggins because I was pounding the table for him early on in the season. Now, granted, he fell right back off, but he had such a tear to start the season because guess what? He was actually like he was paying attention to Ryan Saunders. They were developing a, a, a wave so that he could realize, okay, get the bad shots out of your system. Start, you know start playing more defense. He was doing all of these things. 
And he, what was he, like top 10 in the first month of the season? Yeah, something weird. It was something crazy. You know who but, I think is? Everyone, everyone thought he was a lost cause. So Shea is a great example of someone where this was a case during an individual season. The, the case study I'd like to point out for this over a two-season span is Jason Tatum. Yes, where uh, absolutely. I was going to bring him up next. He's he was, uh, you know, he came in. He get he was fine. Obviously, he was good. His uh, his rookie campaign uh, put up good numbers, and everyone anointed him the next king of the universe. And then his sophomore campaign was a, a, a fairly large letdown, but it was sort of just in time for all of us to sneak our way back into value because, and you mentioned this before, the situation improved for him. Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. gone, Al Horford gone. Yeah, Kemba Walker in, but he was able to sort of assert himself in their hierarchy in a way that he wasn't the previous season. And he came out and he just started taking a thousand shots a game. Usage is value. Even when he was missing all of them, he was still putting up big numbers. And then halfway through the season, he started making them and he became a first round guy. I mean, that's a that's a crazy concept, but it does. It ties back into what you said. Don't give up on guys. It ties into usage being a key factor in almost all of this stuff. I mean, what was he? He was taking like 20 shots a game and hitting 40% of them and was still somehow inside the top 30. So that, that right. tells you, if you got the ball in your hands and you're doing a lot of stuff, you're going to put up some kind of fantasy numbers. Like it's hard, it's hard to be a high-usage guy and also be bad at fantasy. That's a, that's a right. difficult combo. I, I, I think that's it. It's just where is their opportunity? What teams are going to give their young guys their opportunity? And just taking your lumps here and there, understanding that, you know, the light bulb is going to click for these guys eventually. Uh, you, you could say the same thing for the Bridges, you know, in, in Charlotte and sure. Phoenix also. Because, um, you know, both Miles was uh, and, and Michael, to a degree, were, were both kind of, you know, hype guys that didn't meet that expectation early on. But guess what? They got they started getting the ball more later on in the season they, and they improved as the season went on, especially especially Michael Bridges when uh when Ubre went down and, and Dario Sarge fell out of favor. <laughs> Which was just a matter of time, really. Yes, exactly. Yeah. By the way, when we refer to multiple bridges, is that bridges's? It's it's Bridge called I? the Mar- it, it, we, I would call it the tap and Z. That's what I would call it for you East Coasters out there. When multiple bridges don't work in your favor. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, so then I, I wonder, like who, who, like who in North Jersey and and Westchester counties will understand that reverence? That's it. Yeah, so, that's that is niche humor that I don't understand at all. But I don't think it's okay. Do you want to do the backstory on this show, or that'll be like our secret episode? No, it's just it's it took. A, they were trying to re, rebuild the old Tappan Zee Bridge, but I'm not calling it the Mario Cuomo Bridge. The old Tappan Zee Bridge was terrible. It was awful. It would shake every time you drove on it. You thought you were going to die. And they were going to build a new bridge, and it took them like literally a decade to build this new bridge. It, the the everything was a disaster. So there, so the joke was, oh, there's two bridges that don't work properly. So hmm. that was and that's that, basically, and that actually makes a lot of sense now. That's yeah. good. That cleared it up. Okay, so let me put you on the hot seat then. Before we even get to the draft review, what are some of the? Do you see anyone at a quick glance? And you know where I'm going with this. It's a hard question. So if the answer is I have no idea yet. That's totally fine. Uh, but do you see anyone from this year where you feel like perhaps a corner was getting turned, someone that might be starting to make their way towards value or a better situation going into next year where folks have given up a little bit too soon? I talked about one on yesterday's podcast, so I, I'm not going to tip my hand. 
But who Ooh, who do you, who do you are got? Are you trying to lead me on here? I don't know. No, I'd, uh, I'd love it if you had someone different than me, actually. But if if no, we end I, up on I, the same I, guy, uh, I don't know. Actually, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, one name that comes to my mind is Jamal Murray. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's he's still young. I, I I don't think the book is quite done being written on him. Uh, and, and he also, again, I, I, I feel like he didn't really play all that great to start the season, but had progressed as he went along. Guy's still only 23 years old. Still got a lot of basketball ahead of him. Great shooter. Um, I, I just, I think because that offense plays through Jokic, that he, I don't know, he, he can get, I don't want to say lost in the shuffle. Obviously, he's, he's great, but he really turned it on late in the season and was a guy that I was kind of impressed by towards the end of the year. I want Jamal Murray to get two more shots per game, and I don't know how it happens, but that's the that's the key. He's got to get – he needs more touches because his value is yeah. very much tied to t- – right now he's like C.J. McCollum plus. Yeah, I, and his usage was slowly starting to creep back up. I mean, it's not high. It's It was like 25 and a half or something like that. But it's very clearly when you start looking at the game logs, it was higher in that latter stretch when he came back uh, from injury than it was at any point in the season. Lots of 30s in there. And I feel like the team made an effort to get in the ball more, tell him to shoot more. So I, that's just one name. I'm not married to it, but you put me on the spot there. I that did. Was the first name that came to my head. Yeah, sorry, I threw you right into the hot seat. A real hot one. So let me that's give right. you let me give you two names that I think one of them is is my definite for potential. Uh, like the finally, we can call these the finally guys because it's because that's the sound we're all we all make when it happens. Ah, finally. Um, right. my main one is Aaron Gordon. Oh, my God. You did that just to troll me, didn't you? I really did. I mean, listen, we've all hated him and his fantasy game for how long has he been in the NBA now? Four years, five years? It's been like six, seven seasons. Yeah. And he was a top 25 guy the last 25 games this year because he had five and a half assists a game, and they started running the offense through him in sort of like a weird high post thing, and his game changed. His fantasy game changed completely. He's there. There was a finally moment with him that I don't think everybody noticed. You're you're right, and it burns me because I have been probably the most vocally anti Aaron Gordon. That's okay though that there's been, and and I think that he. But you were right. Your point to your point that corner may have turned, but that is again why I say he don't give up on youth, and. You're absolutely right about that. The only caveat that I will say is that Magic team played without Jonathan Isaac those last two months. That's so true. I wonder if that didn't ha- if I wonder if that didn't have some sort of factor into it. That may have played a role. I just loved the idea of him orchestrating, which hadn't really happened before. One of the stats I found was that uh, prior to January 15th of this season, he had three games of five assists or more, and after January 15th, he had ten. So three mm. month, three months to get three, two months to get ten. Things, something clicked, and this guy that I like you, by the way. Listen, I'm not about to say like I've been riding the Aaron Gordon train. I've been anti Aaron Gordon, maybe not quite as vocally as you, but almost, almost as vocally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had Alex Rickling on this show, and he did about a seven minute rant on how much Aaron Gordon sucks <laughs> on, 
on a show. And I, um, I just sat there and enjoyed it because I agreed with every moment. And then something happened. And I feel like there was a finally moment with him. Uh, the other guy is not really a, good, a great example of this. But you're always looking for guys where you know it can happen. And then they had something that kind of derailed their season. And that would be De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento, mm. who was number 91 this year. But he was coming on and his season was ruined by injuries. He feels like a guy that, like, if you see a little bit more in the free throw department, his whole value changes completely. I've always been a De'Aaron Fox fan. I know that some of his game isn't always the most fantasy friendly, but I just think the kid's talented. And sometimes yeah. talent just finds its way to the top. I've always thought that I've always comped him to like a baby John Wall. Just for, yeah. from a basic, like from a basic you know, like 2010 guy standpoint, gets to the rim with ease. And yeah, to your point, he shoots free throws lousy, but neither one of those players were great shooters to begin with. The the better part for Fox is that he can get to the he, again, him getting to the rim helps boost that field goal percentage, but I don't think either one of those guys are ever going to be those elite, you know, sharpshooters from deep, but on those teams, they don't need to be. No. What do you think of, let me, let me throw two names at you with different questions attached to each of them. Where do we think Zion gets drafted next year? Cause he was actually pretty horrible this season, even yeah. after he came back. I mean, he was, I think he was the second worst by weighted value free throw shooter in the NBA behind just Giannis. I believe, uh, I mean that I'll have to look on a per game basis, but I'm, cause I'm looking at total. So he won't show oh, up. Sure. Yeah. He, cause he played what eight, 19 games or yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, he went, he was eight, eight free throws a game at 65%. So I believe that was the second worst by weighted volume to Giannis. He's probably still getting drafted inside the top 50, right? I would think so. Yeah. I don't think I'm I just think that. The, I just think the hype machine is and yes, you were right. He is second worst weighted free, free throw percentage. Um, I think that the hype machine is still going to get into high gear because I think there are still people who draft based on popcorn. Yeah. Uh, but also, don't forget the defensive stats weren't really there either. And Zion was a defensive stat hog at Duke. Yeah, that so seems weird. If he doesn't have that those capabilities. And we know of plenty of guys who are lousy free throw shooters and don't shoot a lot of threes, but can still deliver value. <laughs> cough, cough, Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> so, so it's not it's not out of the ordinary. Now, granted, Zion Williamson isn't going to average like two plus steals per game like Ben Simmons, but I think that he can do a one in one job in steals and blocks, and there's a lot of value in that. My other name is Markel Fultz. DJ Augustine is a free agent. Markel mm -hmm. Fultz has that job now. Even in 28 minutes a game this year, he was only top 160 in nine cat. Can he have a finally moment? Now getting over whatever, you know, whether it was shoulder or brain or a combination of both, can he turn a corner in Orlando and get to fantasy value next year? Because he'll probably be at some kind of a bargain on draft day, I would think. I would think so because he's only taking 10 shots a game. I think there's plenty of room for it. You know, if the minutes come up, the shots come up, the usage comes up. I think there's plenty of room for improvement just on that alone. I think just having the season that he had would just be a general boost in confidence again, because he was able to step on the court after those, those really just two God awful years that he had had. And 
it's not as if the talent isn't there. Will he be this complete guard that can fill up a box score? Probably not, but I think he can score pretty, pretty well, but he's only averaging 10 shots a game. Get that up to, I don't know, 12, 13 against yet. Speaking of Aaron Gordon, get him to stop shooting the three pointers often as he, as he does. Yeah, please. I don't know. Yeah. But perhaps there's room for improvement. Do I think that he, he goes from, 160 to top 75 50 probably not but i think if you're looking to for him to get into that top 100 i think there's plenty of uh, ability for him to do that all right now time to break down your mock draft team um yes. this is we're going hopping in the way back machine all the way back to march of 2020 Eons, <laughs> eons ago, when we had when we had far less gray hair. Oh my god, oh just god. hair in general. I'll take any color hair at this point. <laughs> and please, on my head, for goodness' sake. Elsewhere, elsewhere is fine. Uh, you had the fifth pick in an eight-category mock draft, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna rattle off your team here, and we'll pick and we'll pick and choose a few guys to talk about. And mock and God make mock away. Just rip me to shreds. If I don't you know. Want. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna rip you to shreds. We'll All see. Right, we'll see about that. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. Uh, at pick five, you had Steph Curry. At 20, Jason Tatum. 29, Pascal Siakam. John Morant at 44. Okay, I might I might give you a hard time for that one. Okay. Uh, Hassan Whiteside at 53. We don't know where he's going to be next year, so I can't really mock you or congratulate you on that one. Uh, Buddy Heald at 68. Tobias Harris at 77. Brooke Lopez at 92. You're stockpiling Dan Vesper's nine-category old men here towards the end of this draft. (laughs) Boogie at 101 and Will Barton at 116. I honestly really like Steph at five. I'm I'm wondering if he slips at all. I mean, maybe the fact that he went at five was him slipping. I would think so. I just, I, when I saw Rick Lean take Giannis at four, I feel like I've been in like three mock drafts with Rick Lean and like every time he's punting something wacky. So <laughs> I, I so I realized once he took Giannis there, I'm like, oh, God, here comes the, the free throw punting. So um, I so Steph was easy for me. I was actually debating between Steph and Trey Young because uh, it was a cat. Right. But Steph Steph to me. I, I wasn't going to overthink the injury. I, the, the Warriors are going to want to remind people they are still the Warriors. And this was just a lost season for them. Steph Curry, I, I loved, like, I, I did the mock, and then, like, a few weeks later, he was doing, uh, you know, an interview. I think it was with JaVale McGee on, like, Snapchat or something like that. And he was like, <laughs> is there is there anyone you can't drop 60 on? And Steph was like, no, hell no. Like, I'm like, that's that's going to be Steph next year. Yeah. Steph is, Steph is just going to go... Full on f you to the, the league. I am Steph Curry, I'm and pissed I cannot off. wait. Josh, I'm pissed because I thought I was hoping that was going to be this year. I thought it was going to be the oh KD, you want to leave? Let's dunk on everybody. And then Steph breaking his wrist four games in, it, it detonated the entire season for everyone on I that know, team. For every four games in, like yeah. yeah, it was it was it was just bad. I just also like there was no Clay Thompson there now. You know, Kevon Looney had like, you know, he was hurt and had like, I guess, some sort of issues. I forget what it was, but I know he was out. There was just it was a team in transition. So maybe I, you know, perhaps I thought it could be this year, but it's I think it's definitely going to be next year. Oh, yeah. But I mean, we don't need to talk about Draymond Green, but I feel like there's there's a potential for angry Draymond next year. 
Oh, which very is very much so. Also an interesting little side plot. But anyway, I, yeah, I love Steph at five. I mean, we know what happens when he gets a little bit. And it's usage is value. I'm going to bring it back full circle <laughs> again. Go back and look at Steph when there wasn't Kevin Durant in town. It was fairly remarkable stuff. I know he's a few years older, but good Lord. I mean, what? Yeah. What was that? Which season was that? Was that that wasn't it was 16. 15, 16, 15, 16. Yeah. 16, 17 was was that the first KD season? I think so. Yeah. 15, 16. Steph Curry was 30 points, five threes, five and a half rebounds, almost seven assists, two steals on 50 from the field and 91 at the free throw line. He was he obliterated everyone in fantasy that year. Like he was it, he was number yeah. one. And then there was a full it wasn't size. Even close. It, yeah, it was Durant behind him, but yep. like, but like a full like round or two of value behind him. It was crazy. Yeah. It was a second rounder separating the first and second picks. It in was crazy. Yeah, it was lunacy. Um. So yeah, the fact that he had an injury. I mean, I I love it. I I feel the same way about Cat for next year. More so a nine Cat than eight. But like these guys that had that was the Tom Thibodeau catching up with you year. And now he'll come back happy to play with D'Angelo Russell. And he'll probably be a value next season. Like there's yeah, absolutely. I, I just don't know when we did the mock and granted it was a category, but I feel like there wasn't going to be a whole lot of change between the top five this year and the top five this past year and, or the top five going into next year, I should say. And, Again, barring any crazy injury, because you started out James Harden, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Giannis, and then Steph Curry. And that was basically your top five this year as well. And really, you could say Towns is still money in the bank when he's healthy. Sure. And you could say the same thing about Steph Curry. It was just the, those two situations were pretty unique in the in the fact that, yeah, you're right, that Tibbs probably caught up to Towns. And you're right that... Now that his his best friends in town, they're gonna want to like play well together, and Steph's just gonna go supernova again. So I I just don't see a scenario where anyone else beyond that can really creep into the top five unless someone's really gonna reach for Luca and Trey Young, and I can justify that to a degree in eight cat, but I don't know about nine cat. No, probably not in nine. And if you're looking at nine, uh, if you're looking at eight this year. Uh, Damian Lillard was actually number five, and he had just he had an unbelievable year again. Right, right. Uh, Kawhi was number four, but you know he's going to miss at least thirteen games, so that puts a little bit of a damper on how early you could take him. Although, again, you know he makes another case to be a a mid first round guy after this season. But anyway, uh, I actually I love your first round pick. I love Steph at five. I'm surprised Rickling took Giannis at four. I don't I don't know that his free throw percent just magically comes back. I mean, obviously, if it does, it his value moves fast but in his defense it was better in the last month of the season yeah 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 but still not great <laughs> yeah. still not great it was like it was like 70 percent instead of 65 right something like that true true yeah or 70, i think it was 72 if i recall something like that yeah he was at like 77 over the last two weeks but you just never know i mean andre drummond right. shot 80 percent for a month two seasons back so you'd you just sort of never know what you're going to get there. Um, I'm probably – listen, everybody knows that I'm weirdly anti-Giannis, so I'm just going to lean into it at this point. Um, <laughs> Jason Tatum in round two. What the hell did – what number did I just say, 20? It was 20, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see any problem with this one. He was number okay, he was number 21 in 9-cat this year, mostly just because he doesn't turn the ball over that much. So he's actually, you know – 
maybe slightly better than that in in uh, nine versus eight. Eight, he was a little bit lower because the other guys that sort of pushed around him. But I don't know. I see no problem with this pick. But why did did yeah. you think I was going to beat you up for this one? No, I didn't think you were going to beat me up for this one in particular. The, some of the other ones, I, I I can't wait for. But Tatum, I I, <laughs> I, I, I really like Tatum. The, and maybe I'm a little bit. I was a little bit too biased from the absolute tear that he went on. Oof, yeah. But I feel. But I feel like, again, when it comes to youth, you got to kind of smooth out those rough edges because he was really not good shooting the ball. But that light bulb came on, and he looked like an MVP. And sometimes these guys don't just become MVP caliber players overnight. It takes time. Jason Tatum is still only 22 years old. So this, I really think the sky's the limit for him and has the kind of pedigree where he could turn in some first-round numbers. Third-round pick is Pascal Siakam at... Uh, I already forgot what number I said on that one, too. I need to keep on track this. 29. Um, not that far off, actually, from where he was in 8-cat this year on a on a per-game basis, at least. I think he was at 33, if I believe. So... Yeah, I mean, pretty close. Maybe if you say the tiniest step forward, that gets him to 21, 29. I'm, I'm good with that one. Do you have anything to add on Siakam? I'm, I'm more than happy to just keep shuttling to the the guys that might we'll catch go, people. Yeah, we'll, go, we'll, we'll move on. I think that's, yeah, it was solid. It was one of those things where I wasn't about to, you know, pick Zion there, even though it did cross my mind for a little bit. Mm. And really, again, it was Rick Lean who sniped Bam for me, the pick before, that forced me into Siakam. So. By the way, did you see the name of my team in this draft? You, I, I told you to name your team the Golden Grams. <laughs> They're the best for senior center. <laughs> yes, I, I just see. <laughs> nobody, nobody else named their team, I felt you like. Had, but, but I wanted you to name the Golden Grams because you picked Devontae Graham, and it was just you know, you're surrounded by old guys, the Golden Grams. Yeah, I, <laughs> I really was. That surprised the crap out of everyone, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone knew what to do, but I thought it was perfect. That was—I thought it was a great pick. I got him at seventy in this thing. He's—he could yeah. be an eight-cap monster next year. Listen, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a practical sword. He was fifty-five in eight-cat this season. Ah, whatever. Yeah, it's just the the field goal percent. I guess that could come up theoretically, but even if it doesn't, God, he beats seventy. Yeah. Even if it doesn't, that's true. That's true. That's true. All right. Okay. So Ja, this one is an interesting one because he was actually number seventy-three in eight-cat on a per-game basis this year. Uh, 17 and a half points in about 30 minutes a game, three and a half rebounds, seven assists, just under a steal, 49% from the field, 77 at the free throw line. And, uh, we don't care about turnovers for this particular draft. So, uh, there is a path for him to get inside the top 50 and eight cat. Absolutely. The question is which, how does he get to that path? Is it free throw percent? Is it scoring? Is it assists? Is it a combination of them? Where do you see him taking that step forward? Or steps. I I think it was a combination of all of those things. Number one, I probably wouldn't have done this in nine cat, but eight cat and playing with the sharks. I I was like, all right, I'm going to plant my flag with job because, again, I think that there is the ability for him to improve on all facets of his game because I think the scoring can come up because we know he's a natural scorer. I think the three three pointers can come up because. It's not as if he can't shoot the ball. It's just that he he didn't really take that many attempts. The rebounding can come up because you know he can get those rebounds and was comp to like a Westbrook where he can get the ball and start the fast break thereafter. 
The assist can come up because we know he's a gifted passer. Steals, steals and blocks, I don't really know. Um, I mean, 0.9 steals per game. If he can get above one, great. The field goal percentage actually worries me because he was near 50% shooting on the season. But I think because of his ability to get to the basket, I, I don't think there's going to be too big of a drop there. I don't think we're going to go from like 49% to say like 44 all of a sudden if he shoots more threes. But, you know, 47, 48, he's still on the like elite side of point guards. And yeah, perhaps, you know, there's an improvement in free throw percentage. I, I feel like that, that free throw percentage is a tough way to gauge, but he's never been like a guy that's like a, ne- a net negative at the line. So I just think, and he only played 30 minutes a game. He's a number two overall pick in the draft. He's your franchise. He is going to get more opportunity. End of story. All right. Fair enough. I accept your premise. And I didn't want to, (laughs) and I really wanted it. it, it, It's in a league of sharks. I didn't want them, you know, going after a guy. And we saw the leap being made with Trey Young and Luka Doncic in year two. I didn't want to miss that leap with a guy like Morant who has that kind of talent. There is a, there's a group of guys here and I'm going to, well, I, here's what I want to do. I want to circle back and do basically one more dude on this, on this team. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about healed Harris and Lopez. Cause those guys are, no, those two guys are easy. Yeah, yeah. They just had fallen past where they even finished this year. Right. The easy value. There's no question. Yeah. Uh, what about Hassan Whiteside? This is an interesting one because we don't really know where he's going to end up. Um, what were you, what was your thinking on taking him at all? Was this just your way of saying, you know what, I think he's going to end up in some place where they're going to give him starters minutes? Because this one's a, obviously there's a lot of guessing involved here. We can't yeah. really analyze where he went in this fantasy draft, but we can analyze what he did this season in a situation where he was happier and he was. He was amazing. He was dominant. He was number yep. 14 in eight cat. He was better than that in nine. Will he get another opportunity like this next year? It's not really clear if he's actually cut out for the modern NBA. Portland sort of didn't have a choice, really. Uh, but he put up big numbers when he was out there. Is that enough to get him uh, a full-time gig next season? This was my thinking with the pick. I knew that there was about to be a run on big men. And you can see the next picks there. It was Whiteside, Rashawn Holmes, LaMarcus Aldridge, Mitchell Robinson, Miles Turner, uh, Jamal Murray sandwiched in between Miles Turner and Jonas Valanciunas. I knew this was coming. And I needed a big man. I needed a center. And I, I was thinking of all of those guys that just went behind me. And I thought to myself, okay, which one of these guys do I feel like is a combination of safe, but has upside. And that sounds weird, but Hassan Whiteside has now done it because he was such a massive, had such a massive season this season, exceeded all expectations. And granted, like you said, Portland needed him uh, to be good at the same time. Yeah. My thinking was he's going to, he's a free agent. He's going to end up somewhere. And if someone signs him, it's not to collect dust. And we've already seen what Hassan Whiteside could potentially do in a 20, 25 minute role because he was kind of doing that in Miami. Right. And he put up like in, in it was 17, 18, this is top 50 player in 25 minutes. So I think that that's kind of what I was drafting. 
I was drafting, you know what? Just get him 25 minutes in a situation that where he is signed in a place that wants him and he feels wanted. Just get him 25 minutes, half the game. That's all I'm asking. And I think that you can find a top 50 player in there. Is is his mental well-being tied to his free throw percent and vice versa? I would imagine so because he shot he shot at Six, 68% this year. He was 70% that 17-18 season that I'm referencing. 63-65. So he's in that kind of mid-60s to, to to 70% range. Except for the that, year where he was and miserable. Then, and that, that, then that year where he was miserable, he was god-awful. And you look at his career line, it's, it, and it's very clearly an outlier. I've never seen a player who has a different free throw stroke in every single game until Hassan Whiteside of last year. Yeah, I just think it was a disaster and it was a lost cause. And he knew Bam was coming for his job and Miami wanted nothing to do with him and they just kept yep. finding ways to take him out of the line. All right, fair enough. I, I'm, I'm on board with it. I mean, he was, I, I took a chance on him two years ago when he crapped all over everyone's free throw percent. And then this mm-hmm. most recent season, I thought, okay, well, I can't. Can I risk it again? And I ultimately said no, and that ended up burning me here. So, you know, this is this is the this is the question mark, and you know how I hate diving into uncharted stuff when when there's a big question mark on a guy and his free throw percent is one. But I, but the guys behind him at that point, and again, we're drafting in the fifties now. Rashawn Holmes, who was also an outstanding per game guy, and missed two months of the season with a shoulder ailment, and let's not forget that. Sacramento wants Bagley to perform well. And it wasn't as if like he was a top guy when Bagley was healthy. Bagley only played what, like six, seven games like early on before he was shelved long-term. So, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah. It looks solid, boring. I know, I know. And it's, I guess it's a matter of when the wheels fall off because they certainly haven't, but I just, I wasn't going to go for boring there. Mitchell Robinson, the Knicks are a disaster, and who knows? Because, granted, like the blocks, and is he really going to shoot 75% again this coming year? And are they going to jerk around his playing time? Turner's a disaster on that Indiana team, and you're really just hoping that, like, he's just an elite shot blocker rebounder. And Valanchunas, just his minutes are capped. He's not like I think this year was peak Jonas, and I don't know that we're going to see more than that on that team, especially with young uh, Triple J and Brandon Clark. Play, make a play for some upside. I get exactly. it. Exactly. All right. Okay, that's it. I didn't want to beat you up too much for this. I, I no, wasn't, I wasn't, come on. We're planning on it. Fire. Where's the heat? Yeah, I got no fire and heat. The you, the that's quarant right. the quarantine has sapped all we're, of my we're heat round, and fire. We're we're winding down. It, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Well, also, I got nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, Same. I'm just cooked. Dinner, dinner's a coming, baby. <laughs> That's not, I still got a few hours left. You have one of those, uh, one of those subs you were telling me about yesterday. Oh, the, the grease truck subs, fat sandwiches. <laughs> Is that oh, part of so your summer, good. summer of fat? I, I, yes, you should check out summer of fat. Um, that is part of summer of fat. Um, and yes, hoop ballers. I had a hero that was filled with buffalo chicken tenders. Uh, macaroni and cheese bites, French fries, mozzarella sticks, and marinara sauce. That was and all in was the same sandwich? All in the same hero, and it was 
goddamn delightful. Oh my god, it was god. amazing. How do you you got a that's a knife and fork size sandwich right there? It was just shove the whole thing in my mouth. I, and I just don't have go a, with it. I don't have enough this, mouth diameter for a sandwich of that of that size. <laughs> it was just one bite at a time, and the joys of intermittent fasting and one meal a day. I am a crazy person who ballers. Um, or should I say, who ballers? That might have actually been the best way to sign out on this bad boy. Josh, I love talking to other people. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. <laughs> it is my pleasure, buddy. I'll be back again, I promise. God damn right you will. That's Josh Millman. He is at Josh Millman on Twitter. I am at Dan Bespris. More lessons learned, more mock draft fun. I like talking to humans. It's really nice. It's something that I've missed, and I don't remember what it's like until today. Back at you tomorrow, whatever the hell that is. Is tomorrow Friday, Josh? Damned if I know. Yes, it is Friday. Oh, my God. All right, tomorrow we wrap up the week. We'll do another Southeastern team. We'll wrap you through until Monday and uh, roll on into Last Dance episodes five and six. Millman, enjoy the uh, the documentary this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. You too, best Chris. Enjoy. Bye-bye, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.